Welcome to Ambo TV, home of Next Generation Pastors. And joining us today in studio is a very, very special guest. We have author Jeff Betke here. Yes. Author of a brand new book. Yes. It's just about, is it on the market yet or not? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be released yep. in stores tomorrow to yeah. hell with the hustle. Thank you so much for being Thanks here. Thanks for having me. And we really appreciate you being here and making this your first stop. It is. It feels good. It feels good. It feels yeah. fresh. feels new. You I'm feel excited. really special, right? I know. I know. All I'm right, excited. All right, so let's go right into it. Let's I want it. you to walk me through now the, the title. Yeah. Grab my attention immediately. <laughs> it's a little risque. Yeah, well, you need, to, you need to thank my wife, first of all. Thank the wife? Yeah, okay. which is a, which if you know her, anyone who watches us online, she's like the sweetest. She's one of those 90-year-old grandmas stuck in like a 32-year-old body, you know, oh, just okay. like sweet, kind, <laughs> gentle. So when she thought of that title, I just actually started laughing. But then I was like, ah, oh, but that's it. That's actually it. That's amazing, you know? So yeah, so then that was, she thought of the title. But I think, yeah, the title, it's, it's, it's I like what you said, it's, it's grabbing, it's jarring, it kind of has a bite to it. But at the end of the day, we're not just doing that for, for that sake. The reason we like that title is because I think it's right on the nose of what, we're tr what I'm trying to communicate in that book, which the, the hustle, the hurry, I'm, I'm kind of using it as a catch-all, right? Mm -hmm. Hustle, hurry, this pervasiveness of our culture, specifically among millennials, but I think also in the West and in modernity, is, is, is a problem. It's, it's, it's killing us, it's hurting us, it's uh, not making us into the image bearers we are created to be. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, the seriousness of the problem needs to be reflected with serious language, and so I think that was kind of the hope. Yeah, no, and I mean, uh, a lot of your things that, that I've, you know... Yeah, I can sometimes go there. <laughs> yeah, you're grabby. No, but yeah. I like it, though, mm -hmm. because I think at this point, yeah. especially with us and with our generation, yeah. we need to kind of, you know, we, we got to kind of yell at people sometimes. Yeah. And not in a bad way. No, I know what you're saying. And I think, yeah, yeah I mean, I, maybe the word I would use is like sharp. And I think uh, because to cut through the noise, right? You need a sharp knife to cut through something. Yeah. And I think there's so much noise and there's so much going on. But I do think also as followers of Jesus that we're called to make sure that it's, you know, there's a way to do that that's in love, in peace, in gentleness. Jesus obviously shows that. Jesus being the personification of that. But yet said some enormously sharp things still. And so I think kind of combining those is really helpful in a cultural conversation. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, that's what, that's what I really liked. Yeah. When I saw the book, yeah. it, the, the cover yelled at me. Yeah. I was like, all right. Well, I love that. That's the best thing you yeah. could ever probably tell the marketing team or anyone from Nelson. It's a, yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. So now, in the book, um, I'm expecting to totally be just like told about, um, I'm just thinking about rat race and, and this yeah. is going to be... But mm -hmm. you you delve into other things, which are really, really cool. Yeah. Like um, in the chapter, I want to get this right, it was a chapter in the beginning. Yeah. Where you break down um, shalom. And yes. the meaning yeah. of shalom. Yeah. And, you know, the derivation. and Totally. There was a, a kind of a, you, you touch on a lot of Hebrew things in yeah. the book. Yeah. And now, do you think that as Christians, we, we've fallen away? Kind yeah. of from you know the original Hebrew teachings and, and writings, do you yeah. do you think that maybe we should you know revisit those a little more often and yeah. pay a little more homage? Yeah, a couple things. First to of our all, Hebrew roots. Yeah, first of all, thanks for actually reading the book. You know, sometimes people in the press don't always read it. Yeah, second no, of all, absolutely. Second of all, uh, I probably won't get that question that much on the press tour, so I really <laughs> appreciate that question. Um, I think yes. Short answer, yes, but in a certain way, right? Because here, because here, the. the to me, the scriptures are a narrative, right? So a story's being played out. And what we have to realize is that God was particular to a particular people in history to be, right, a priest to the nations, a light to the nations, right? And then because that turned insular, then when Jesus the Messiah comes to his own people, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, which he says, meaning there is a particularity there that he cares about, 
Um, he's heavily critiquing them primarily for their insularness, right? You think because you're children from Abraham yeah. that X, Y, and Z, rather than, no, no, you were created as a special people to face outward, right? So, uh, but then all that to say, to answer your question, yes, I think what we have to realize, and I think what we've lost in the West, because we're so post-enlightenment, right? We're so post, um, again, modernity and some of these things that are very, very, just even if you take religion out of the thing, like the scriptures are written in an East, Middle Eastern first century context, mm -hmm. right? Or you go to the Old Testament in ancient Near East context. And we're like Western, factual, kind of like right brain type people. You know what I mean? And so that's, a, that's already a different world from what the actual context of the scriptures are written in. Then you add in kind of the compounding layers of the teachings, the Torah, some of this stuff. I think the, the only thing that I say that <clears throat> I think we just need to think about as followers of Jesus is like he was a like rabbi. You know what I mean? Like he was a Jewish rabbi. Yeah. And so if we're going to follow him, then that means to follow his teachings. Now what's crazy about him is how he recapitulated and was so creative with how he would kind of turn over the Torah, yeah. right? In really special, beautiful ways. So I think we just have to be mindful because you, you do see then some believers who kind of then almost go at some level backwards, okay. right? Yeah. Um, but it's like, no, we have Jesus, right? Yeah. But Jesus is a true fulfillment of the law. And so I think stepping into that, what that means, and I think, yeah, it's, I think it's a wisdom thing, right? Like you see so much wisdom of how God laid out things to work, how it designed the universe in the Torah, how he created, I mean, Genesis is such an incredible, powerful book, specifically when you understand the ancient Near East context it was written in. Mm. And we've lost all that stuff, right? And so I think, yeah, just if, if we're worshiping a Jewish rabbi, I think we should at least pay attention to what that means. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, for sure. And it's funny that you bring up Genesis too, because I was just talking yeah. with someone that works over, actually Brian, who's our social media guy, yeah. and we were just, I was just telling him how Genesis is, it, for me, because I'm trying to read the Bible now in, chrono yeah. in chronological order, yeah. and um, Genesis is, is, I've had to start over yeah. multiple times, because Genesis, yep. it, it, it's a tough one. Yep. So, I mean, that's yeah. that's the book that we all have, so I, I want to get back to your book yeah. really quickly, because I know that's why you're here. No, but we can, yeah. there's even a segue there, right? So I think chapter seven or six or something on Sabbath, uh, is, a gen is almost like a gen Genesis exposition, yes. right? Because I think that's one of the, when you return to some of these things, that is how you're going to resist the hurry, resist the hustle, and actually live as a robust image bearer of God, right? Because to understand your image bearingness, you have to go to where that is written. That's in Genesis, right? And so I think understanding what did God create us to do? He created us to be a divine reflection out into creation of his goodness and his blessing and his purpose and his meaning. And then to steward the earth and the garden back towards us, create something beautiful out of it, and then offer it back into him in reflection of worship, right? And so it's kind of this double, right? Double, I almost heard we're almost like a 45 degree angle mirror, right? Where the, if a light comes down to 45 degrees, it goes out, okay. right? And then if a light comes this way, it goes up. And so that's kind of like, you know, take God, put it out into the world, right? Yeah. Take the earth, steward it in creation and bring that into worship to God. And I think that we've lost that. Mm. And that has made us kind of almost like um, flimsier, shallower, more like uh, flakier versions of image bearers. Because when you're living in that reflection, you're becoming more and more robust in that image. Okay. And we aren't worshiping God and stewarding his creation, so we're becoming something else. And that's, that's literally the heart of the book. Chapter one is we are becoming what we worship, right? And we're worshiping hustle, we're worshiping hurry, we're worshiping achievement, we're worshiping our phones, we're worshiping time. Yeah. And so you become those things, right? I, I make this analogy in the book where I say like, it's not a coincidence anxiety and depression are skyrocketed more than anywhere in all of human history because I believe we worship the measuring and the scheduling and the minuteness of time and so we're literally becoming that, right? Yeah. Like our hearts are basically clocks, just tick, tick, yeah. tick, 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 tick. That's the, that's the sound of anxiety, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And I think because we're so just you know into that stuff, 
uh, that it's forming us into that image, and that's pretty much the exact heart of that. Yeah, no, anxiety, is, it's a real thing now, yeah. and I mean, it's huge, and it's funny how, you know, you, you kind of link it to corporate right now, right? Yes. So I, I had yeah. worked at, a, at mm -hmm. a corporation where it was the thing where weekly, yeah. they would put up this huge board, and everybody's production was put yeah. on display, and yeah. they would point, you That's your identity. if yep. you were in the top three, and yep. you'd get a, a frowny face if you were in the bottom. <laughs> And he's like, no, 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 none of this matters. Totally. But, you know, this is just to show your numbers yeah. to everyone else. But it totally. made you feel horrible on the yeah. inside. And it made you feel anxious. You made you, made you yep. feel like you were less of a person. You weren't doing enough. Yep. You need to output more. Yeah. And that's what our society is about now. It's more totally. output, 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 totally. output. And you actually, you touch on that a lot of other mm -hmm. issues, including social media. Where, yeah. where like, that's, I think, one of the biggest pitfalls and, you know, traps yeah. in our generation is because we're doing things now without even realizing it. Like, yeah. even um, the hashtags, couples goals, yeah, or relationship totally. goals, yeah. that's legit coveting. Like, totally. you, you're, you're saying, totally. I want what this person yeah. has. Out in public. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, how do we even combat that? Like, yeah. how, you know, what, what, what would be your... That's a good question. I think one thing I talk about, I can't remember what chapter, is this, this idea of the, the metaphor that's in scripture a lot, that's a really helpful thing that we've missed out on is, and back to your production thing with work, and I think this ties to social media and to the relationship stuff, is that we, we don't, the way we <clears throat> in the West in the 21st century think of time is very linear. We believe it's just a straight line rocketing forward, right? And we just have to kind of, and when it's like that, you feel like there's almost this pressure at your back pushing you. Like just, you have to produce more yeah. and achieve more or else you're going backwards, mm -hmm. right? When scripture, scripture tends to have this analogy or this picture of almost like a, life is more like agriculture, where it's actually the same thing, but just over and over again, right? Seasons, right? You're actually going to go forward yeah. in the season, but you're going to come back. Then you go forward in the season and come back, right? And back to the production thing, our agriculture in the West doesn't believe that, right? We want to just extract more and more and more and more and kill the soil mm -hmm. and just get less, you know, for less, less, less money, more and more and more and more profit, right? Um, and so it's very different visions. And so I think that's one thing I, I, I argue in the book that we need to start with is like a, a, a vision of like that life is seasonal, that life is cyclical. It's meant to be lived in cycles. And there's something about that that just completely mitigates against the like this pressure because you're actually like, no, no, I get another chance. I'm coming back to something to steward it, mm -hmm. to make it better, to renew it, to grow it, to honor it, right? Yeah. Um, and to me, that takes off the pressure because if you kind of are going in cycles, you're getting, you know, 100 chances at that thing. Yeah. But our culture kind of has the you only get one chance at everything and you kind of just got to keep going, right? And those are two very competing narratives. And so I think that plays on across all the boards, social media, whatever, of just, man, living in seasons. So I think, for example, making that practical, one example would be like work rest, right? Like not just working, but understanding that God created the universe to have a design of a work rest rhythm. Yeah. So work is beautiful. We should produce, we should create, we should cultivate and steward the earth. But yet we also need to rest, right? That, that God himself took a Sabbath rest when he didn't need one. So clearly he's trying to just actually put like a design in the universe, yeah. right? Not actually him just taking a nap or something, right? <laughs> um, he's actually doing that as like, no, I want this to be woven into the DNA of the entire earth, right? Uh, and so then he takes a Sabbath and then this kind of this beautiful thing. And so I think that's a that's an example of like it's not just going forward, but it's like work, rest, work, rest, work, rest. And that kind of just there's something about that that I think produces faithfulness. Right. Um, and, and less anxiety and all these different things. Yeah. No, and I, I think it can be the type of work, too, because people yeah. can find joy in, yep. in whatever they do, you yep. know, but. Personally, you know, sitting down and, and creating, you know, spreadsheets and, and filling in cells all day. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the week, you know, you, you might be like, okay, what totally. did I really yeah. do? How did yeah. I contribute? Which can suck for yeah. some people. And which kind of brings me to my next question, which yeah. is that, um, you know, Jesus 
he didn't have he didn't live by deadlines. Yeah. He didn't live by a calendar. Yeah. He did things on his own yeah. time. You know, he, he he didn't have a side hustle. Totally. Side hustle has become yeah. a thing now yeah. where it's it's this acceptable part of our culture that everybody is totally. expected to have this side hustle that they do. Side note, that term literally offends me. Like, I, I, <laughs> totally. I don't like yeah. side hustle. Like, totally. I don't think that should be a thing. No, I agree. So how do I, you know, yeah. being 30-something, yeah. married, children, yeah. the, the one thing that I want the most right now is to own a home, mm. you know, for, for my family. Yeah. How do I do there? How do, yeah. how do I get there yeah. without hustling my butt off? Totally. I think there's 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 layers there, right? I think at some level there's okay to life is a marathon, but I think seasons can be sprints, right? So I think that's okay. I think what happens is when you're just constantly sprinting. Okay. So I think that's being mindful of that is first, right? Am I just constantly sprinting, right? Or am I just trying to maybe does is the Lord maybe calling a little bit more an extraction of my thing in this small season that's sustainable? that I need to do so I could reach a particular level of flourishing or sustainability, right? That might be the case. Um, or on top of that too, I think just like, uh, we need to recover the idea of faithfulness, right? So many of us, I think, um, there's something inherently blessed about every act you're doing in the day if you're doing it unto the Lord, okay. right? And we don't tend to believe that. We tend to only believe that results are sacred, results are holy, results are the things worth celebrating. When God just doesn't seem to care about that in Scripture, right? He seems to very much care about you during the process. Like that actually seems like the that actually seems like the results He cares about is you in the process of wherever you're going, right? If you're exhibiting faith, if you're exhibiting honoring work, if you're exhibiting loving God and loving neighbor, um, then and that doesn't mean that the results always will handle themselves. But I do think the scales tip where when you're faithful, that God usually take, He takes care of you. There's provision always. He, he makes that clear, right? Um, and it might not turn out how you want. But yeah, so I would just say, but faithfulness can still have a spirit of, of, of not hustle, but like working, you, can still, you should still be working hard, right? Yeah. Dil- I think another better word is diligent. diligent. Okay. You should be working diligently, but hustle is when it starts getting into your soul of like, where it starts corroding your soul, where you start going, you're, you're not loving people anymore by the pace you're going. You're not loving God anymore by the speed you're going, yeah. right? And that's a different thing. Yeah, I think that it kind of reminds me of um, the saying that, you know, money Money isn't the root of all evil. It's yeah, the love, love of money. Of money. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. So now, without a spoiler, and, yeah. and I don't want to <laughs> because I want people to check yeah. this book out because it's a great read. Mm. Um, you, you use as a revolutionary. Yeah. You use Mister Rogers. Dude, yeah. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's in the book like eight. So times. now, what made you choose? Mr. I mean, I love. I, I think we almost. I don't think this would have been a good title, but like internally, I was using this as a title. Uh-huh. Uh, we almost called the book, or I mean, I was calling it while I was writing it, the Resistance. You know, and I could think Star Wars for that reason. For some reason, you know, like this, <laughs> this movement, this revolution, yeah. this resistance. And the reason I think of that is like Mister Rogers is the perfect example of someone in the resistance, mm. meaning. It's actually very difficult to live in a way in this culture where you are just doing like amazing, faithful, slow, incredible work that deeply resists and butts up against everything that our culture values, right? Uh-huh. So I talk about him. There's so many things I can go into with him, so I don't even know uh, which one could be quickest, but there's a whole section in there on how he valued silence. So he had this, he had, Mr. Rogers had this crazy practice, right? So all of us are trying to fill the noise, mm-hmm. right? Or fill the silence, right? Like silence for two seconds, turn on the radio, give me an iPod, give me Spotify, right? Just I don't, we hate silence. Mm. Mr. Rogers honored it, centered it, and actually kept it so sacred that he, it was a practice where anytime he was corporately gathered with people in some type of formal meeting for like 50 years, uh-huh. so like, you know, and he had a morning meeting every morning, I think at PBS. So this is like every single morning. Um, 
he would basically just say, okay, I, I, you know, for 60 seconds, we're all just going to pause. And I think the way he did it was, let's just be silent and think of the one person who has impacted your life that comes to your brain and just kind of sit on gratitude for them. 60 seconds. And he would say, he'd say, I'll keep the time and I'll let you know when it's done. Right? Really? And he would just start every day like that. And he honored that practice so much that there's even, he would even, he literally one time got invited to the White House, you know, for some whatever, some party or something. And he's with, you know, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, the vice president. There's all these executives. There's people of the, you know, entire um, cabinet. And he, and he says, and he's in charge of the meeting. So he says, hey, we're going to do 60 seconds of silence. I'm like, man, what a dude. Yeah. To literally like command the room of the most powerful yeah. man in the world and say, we're going to do the practice that I do every day for 50 years. I love that. Um, and stuff like that, right? And you, there's a ton more I go into there with him. But it, there's something about his ability to leave, live singularly against culture that I think was really powerful. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that, that's kind of, you know, um, it, it's a flowing narrative through the book. Of, yeah. and, and you talk a lot about the power of silence. Yeah. And, and I would love... Yeah. to jump into that yeah. as well. But I know you have more things to do, and, and I really want to get to... <laughs> no, because there's some stuff. There's yeah. some meat that I want to yeah. get to before you know we let you walk out yeah. of here. Because I could keep you here all day. <laughs> I, I can talk about it all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I want to know, because mm-hmm. this is the Sermon Network, right? Yeah. So I want to know, is there in your head that, mm-hmm. that stands out, is there one pastor or one church that was just that made a huge impact on your life and, mm. and, and kind of... Gave you that that one because yeah. we're all Christian, right? But totally. there's that one moment, totally, and that one sermon that we hear that just kind of yeah. it snaps something. Yeah, I don't know if I can think of one sermon, and there's de- but there definitely has been pastors and sermons in the past that I know have been impactful and, and kind of you know really uh, transformative for me. But specifically with this book, this topic, this this thesis, I would say uh, uh, one of my favorite, and he's actually a good friend now, John Mark Comer. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a pastor in Portland, probably one of the bigger churches in Portland. I think it's like Bridgetown Church. Um, he's doing brilliant work. I feel like the way he's speaking into the city, speaking into culture, almost in the same thing. He has another book that's almost like a cousin book. I think his book is called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, And it's a red cover and it comes out the same month. Uh, And we're actually doing a podcast together. He's a good friend. So we were like, hey, we're like, hey, it's you know that Spider-Man meme where it's like Spider-Man's looking at Spider-Man and they're like pointing at each other. Um, that was, it was, we we kind of did that with our books. We're like, hey, it's the same, you know. So then we ended up doing a podcast. But yeah, his stuff is brilliant. I would recommend everyone go listen to it. His books are incredible. His sermons are incredible. Really deep thinker, uh, speaking culturally into a, a city really well, um, and talks about this stuff really brilliantly. All right. So um, that being said, mm-hmm. you know, with, with that, that's kind of the guy that inspired you, you know, yeah. as far as this thesis goes, yeah. as you put it. I like yeah. that you called it a thesis, yeah. too. And that, so what would you, because I felt that this was, I couldn't tell. It, it, it felt transformative. Mm. It felt faith restoring. It mm. felt, you know, motivational. What, mm. if you had to categorize a book? I don't, that's a good question. I don't know. I, <laughs> you know, the quickest way, I, I do think it's my weirdest book. That's okay. the way to put it. Like Meaning that. like. It's, 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 I tell some, I, I make some crazy connections, I think, in yeah. this book, right? You I mean, you got personal, yeah, you got the, yeah, personal, you get the Mr. Rogers stuff. I have yeah. a crazy story in there. I think of the 1980s, the, the people of Schwindnik, Poland, and how they resisted by carrying their TVs around, uh, the con- it, yeah, cra- crazy, info crazy stuff. There, and then yeah. like the, the, the modern conception of time, who that came from, Ruth Belleville and how she used to buy and sell time in the 1800s. Uh-huh. It's a weird book. It's but I think great. the connections are all there of like, it's, uh, it's the most kind of like, I'm trying to kind of think and pull from all these different things uh-huh. that really resonated with me. So I don't know what word I would use, but uh, yeah. But maybe what I would say is, um, 
I don't know. Yeah, I would, I would hope it's what you said, the kind of faith restoring, and that I wanted to bring back a depth and a richness to our faith okay. that, I, that a lot of us, I think, are kind of living in a flimsier faith, right? A kind of shallower faith, uh, a hustle to hurry faith. Mm. So I think, yeah, that would that'd be one maybe I would hope for. All right. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Jeff. Dude, thanks so much, man. Jeff Bethke. It was a blast. All right, guys, there you have it. To Hell with the Hustle, October 15th, available everywhere, Amazon Online, Barnes & Noble Physical, or even Audible through uh, your headphones. Go check it out. I'm Dean Windsor. This is Ambo TV.